A special thanks to Club W for supporting the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Remember, you get a $13 bottle of wine for free when you become a new member. Go to clubw.com forward slash Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T. Thanks, Club W. Nice to have you along. Now it's showtime. Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, we are no longer anti religion, we are just anti assholes. Fighting the law with the law once again winning, furious Afghan mother kills 25 Taliban with her clan of five. The origins of Holy Wars, Moses' cute little death squad, hammocks, flasks, mystical experiences, man, that is eclectic. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 56 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2015, where this is beginning to be played out there. We're still back in the year of 2014, the year of... I've had enough of this year. I'm ready to move on to the next one, I think. Last day, one more, something like that. What Not is it? Not much. I guess two and a half. No, I mean, this, today is what? December 30th as we're recording? I don't even know. Something like that. But In yeah. any case, yes. Good riddance. Ready for a fresh year. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Daniele Bolelli. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, with a Happy New Year, we have a Happy New Year sponsor. Sweet. New sponsor. Club W, everybody. There are services that provides wine delivered to your house. Now, you got to be 21 to enjoy it, but um, it's a really cool service. And if you'll sign up, they'll give you a free bottle of wine nice. to try out. And um, you literally go on their site. You click through a little taste uh, profile to figure out what kind of wines you like. And then they'll present 20 or 30 choices for you. You pick three of them. And two or three days later, voila, bottles of wine to enjoy. And they're fun because they're from all around. There's, we have a lot of Central Coast wines out here that are smaller uh, wineries that you know a lot of people wouldn't be exposed to. And they're trying to help those folks out. But there's stuff from international. And I got a bottle from everywhere. One guaranteed to be a panty remover. So we'll save that for one dark evening when the Viagra shows up please but, later give me the which one it is yeah Whatever. absolutely nice but um we appreciate these guys and want you to check it out it's clubw.com forward slash taoist to get your free bottle of wine taoist is in t-a-o-i-s-t just like us and um just be sure to check it out and give them a try guys it's good for everybody and uh we're going to help some wineries out. We're going to help some brand new sponsor out. And we have a lot more to tell you about them as we move forward into the year. Yeah, let us know. If you end up trying it out, let us know. You know, um, I'm, our guess and hope is that you like it and it seemed like very good stuff. But yeah, by all means, give us feedback. Let us know what's up and uh, all will be good. Yeah, because it is good wine. I've had a few sips already. So 
It's exciting that this is a new year. You know what happens in July of this year? July 14th is the day of the closest approach of the New Horizons spacecraft that will give our first ever close-up pictures of Pluto that we've ever had. I'm so excited. Freaking astronomy nerd. Yes. Terrible, man. I know. Speaking well, of that, I saw Uranus just the other day. I'm sorry? The moon was an excellent pointer oh, okay, to the planet okay. Uranus, okay, I'm, I got which it. is hovering above it over the water, and um, you could. I'm get... glad we clarified that. Oh, I oh, oh, I see what it was going. No, yeah, well, that's a whole different story. That's for the book. You're not getting that for free. The, um, <laughs> shall we thank the lovely folks who have been our regular sponsors? Absolutely, that was be first. Datsu Sarah. Yes, uh, Datsu Sarah. I actually just I'm using one of um, the glorious Datsu Sarah who hemp hoodies as a Christmas gift so no that's great stuff we love it uh, so yes the Datsusara bags uh, if you are into martial arts gi they now have belts made uh, the actual belts for the gi made of hemp uh, hoodies uh, the whole range of products every one of them amazing so please check them out and again we're like always all the discount codes are in the episode notes I forget what particular word you have to throw in there to get a discount by using it. But obviously, if you buy, might as well get a discount. Yeah. You'll be surprised how many people tell me, oh, man, thanks so much for hooking me up with, or like our another sponsor, Onnit, O-N-N-I-T. And then they sweetly go and buy it on Amazon, but within that way, they don't get discount from us. So it's kind of funny. In any case, yes. So that's Usara, Onnit, O-N-N-I-T, for... Kettlebells. Kettlebells. Alpha Brain. Yes. Shroom Tech. All kinds of goodies for you. Keep you pepped up, keep you in shape. The testosterone boost is pretty good. I've been, you know, it's a new year, so it's time for some more kettlebell swinging and push ups. And uh, apparently, this testosterone is what you're supposed to take to do it. What, I think it says just add uh, crunches or something out or just add sit ups. <laughs> And, um, That's cool. And uh, I thought there was some new products. I forgot right now, but check it out. There's a lot of stuff that's constantly been added on they to the menu. A lot of food stuff I'm lately. a slow traditionalist, so I tend to stick to a few things and then slowly expand my repertoire. So still one of my favorite is the hemp protein, chocolate hemp protein. I dig that. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. So check it out. And of course, the Mr. Bennett from Sure Design. Sure Design t-shirts. Mm, again, I'm. It's not exactly hard for me to quote unquote sell our sponsors because it's old stuff I use all the time. They as keep usual. them dressed. I pretty much live in short design T-shirts, and I only carry that Susara bags and I do the whole hemp rod. So there's a whole range of the stuff that we tell you guys are stuff that I use all the time. So. Yeah, we had a bunch of when we paraded up for Thanksgiving, we all had a Datsusara backpacker bag gone. We looked like we were going on maneuvers. Um, it was pretty fun. And, of course, everything made it signed and safe because the micro ninjas were there to protect it. So, Indeed. Thanks to all our sponsors, old and new. It's a pleasure to have you all along. And believe me, you help us out when you go give them a look and grab an order once in a while. It's good for everybody. Absolutely. And as usual, if you guys do shopping on Amazon, please use our link. Um, that you guys don't spend an extra cent compared to your regular purchase and it helps us out. So that's very, very sweet. Shall we jump into the episode? It's time. Let's roll. Brothers and sisters, 
of Father Bellelli's reconstruction of the Bible, one good verse at a time. Before I don my priestly robes, let me just state something for the record before I enter into character. I am actually, honestly, I have nothing against religion. I am not anti-religion. I'm anti-assholes. If you happen to be religious and not an asshole, I have no problem with you. None whatsoever. Um, I have problems with you if you are religious and you're an asshole. I have problems with you if you're non-religious and you're an asshole. It's like that to me is it's how you treat other human beings. How you, If you believe that your beliefs give you the right to squash other people's freedoms and force them to weigh. What an asshole. Yeah, that exactly. That's what I have a problem with. But, you know, I have a problem with Stalin, you know, because he would do the same thing. And it's not from a religious standpoint. It's like from a hardcore atheist standpoint, he did the same thing. So I, that's what I have issues with. Religious beliefs themselves, I don't. It's like whatever, you know, I can think you're crazy. I can think, well, that actually makes sense. There's a whole variety of opinions I can have, but who cares? They don't have to be my beliefs. If they are yours and you make for a good neighbor, that's all I care. With that disclaimer in place, Uh let's now move on to more sensitive issues. Our um, today's Bible story will be inspired by a recent Hollywood release. I forgot the title even. What's the Moses story for... Um, uh, is it Exodus? No, it's Gods and... I think that's a subtitle, dudes. isn't it? I uh, think it's Exodus, Exodus and it's... Uh, but yeah, last Ridley Scott movie. Which was already problematic for so many reasons before you even start. I you mean, mean like all the white guys starring in the roles of darker people? Yeah, it's like a whole movie about Egyptian and uh, Jews. Uh, everybody's white. It's kind of, It's pretty funny, you know. It's sort of like... I don't know, man. It's uh, and and Ridley Scott did not help his case when he said like, "Hey, I have a multi-million-dollar project going on here. I, well, what am I going to tell people that my lead star is Mohammed something something?" And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Jesus, okay." Building bridges. Yeah, yeah, that's working real well. But the um, now wait, I think we were on the Exodus train already because when last we visited the uh, the Angel of Death had stopped by every doorway and slaughtered uh, yeah that was actually kind of what the, the prequel most of the movie is about right now here is the one thing that was funny there was an article that i read actually multiple articles on this topic where christian bale the guy who plays moses in the movie he's batman he's yeah exactly batman decided to he clearly was not incredibly thrilled with the character he's playing because he just came out and said that basically Moses, by today's standard, Moses is a terrorist. They're just no... He said, if Moses was around today, drones would be sent after him. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's not a way to be incredibly diplomatic. Wow. And of course, he this ignited an enormous shitstorm of people <laughs> who just were super horrified with him and mad and this and that. But none of them addressed the actual point. You know, like, there's one guy, let's see, senior lecturer Mary Murphy from the University of California's Annenberg School, sarcastically asked, where did Christian Bale get his PhD in religious studies? Let's see, how many words is that? Where did Christian Bale get his PhD in religious studies? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If we count PhD as one. Um, In ten words, this one... Woman, yeah, Mary Murphy, yes, woman. This woman already let me know that 
we'll have nothing to talk ever with each other because she's such a bitch that just with that i know that there's enormous he, evil he First, mostly got his religious training from where the rest of us did i mean my entire knowledge of moses is uh history of world part one uh, mel brooks i bring you 15 oh. 10 that scene 10 is glorious That's... followed up by they obviously took the 10 that survived and dumped them into indiana jones's ark right which um. will uh, kill nazis yeah, no, I so like that. That's my extensive, probably Christian Bale level Moses lessons. But I mean, what first, what kind of evil bitch <laughs> does not address the point and instead question? This is the ultimate ad hominem, right? It's like, you don't have a PhD, you have no right to speak. Never mind that you're right, but will not actually address the point you're making because then I don't know what the fuck to say because you're actually, you may have a point. I'll just act that you're not a PhD, you should not have a seat at the table. This right, is doctor, again. I apologize, doctor. I'm sorry. I'll step away, doctor. Exactly. What the fuck? This is just ridiculous, right? So that bugs me. But um, who else we have? The the a bunch of sites that were all like, oh, Christian Bale should stick to acting and shutting up. Or it's like the problem is, let's look at that claim. Let's look at what he's actually saying. Because you know, if he's wrong and he's an idiot, then Miss Mary Murphy, you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, Fox News and everybody else who got on. Christian Bale's ass and being like, you are horrible, shut up, then okay, then you guys are right, All if right, you are. Well, we're sending our Obama drones back in time. They're circling the Middle East. So let's see what's going on. Is there a claim to this about Moses? Well, that's part of what happens with that movie, is that when I heard that Ridley Scott was doing a movie about Moses, I was like, oh, oh, oh this can be really interesting. <laughs> they took the easy way out, which is to cut where the story gets more disturbing you know because the story that we have seen so far the one that we discussed last time the whole 10 plagues and everything else that was just warm-up that's not even the disturbing part because you could actually make an argument for a logic to that you know you could say well fucking egyptians are enslaving these poor jewish people and uh, you know this is god flexing his muscle to free oppress people from slavery and That's beating up the, yeah so you can see a logic to that again maybe killing every one of their kids including infants was not the way to go about it but oh well okay and also Leaves an impression yeah that's for sure and also this is not moses doing it no. moses is just saying hey this is what god will do listen they don't okay tough luck so you can sort of blame it it's not Moses' responsibility. The part that gets interesting is when, in Ridley Scott's movie, the credits start rolling in, that's where the real story begins. And that is what probably Christian Bell was referring to, and that's where the whole game gets really interesting. So where do they stop the movie? Right at the uh, parting of the Red Sea? Yeah, they close uh, drowned Egyptian army and shortly thereafter. And again, that's also justified, right? It's like you have a bunch of people who are coming to either kill you or bring you back into slavery. You act in a way that lead to their death. No problem. No argument with that. This isn't helping my string-connected Bible uh, reference wall art I'm doing, because now... If I recall, it was Noah's son's naked peep show that made people be slaves anyway. Yeah, but... But here's God going through Moses saying slaves are bad. You're making things complicated now. God damn it, just starting to... Let's stick to the point. Okay, I'm sorry. It's confusing. This has led to a couple of different chapters I've written in different books. In 50 Things You're Not Supposed to Know Religion, there's Available a, now. Exactly. There's a um, chapter entitled Deadly Alliteration, Moses the Mass Murderer. 
And then we have another one in uh, Create Your Own Religion in which the um, it's a subchapter, but the subchapter is Moses' cute little death squad. And not that squad in a Brian Redman kind of way, in, a, in the original sense, and uh, as in go out and kill a bunch of people, because here is what happens. So here we have um, the scenario of the Ten Commandments, the big, you know, Moses, Jewish tribes are wandering in the middle of the desert, they are heading back to the Promised Land, Moses goes to have this uh, one-on-one with God, climb up the mountain, receive the Ten Commandments, big deal right it's like the jewish tribes at the bottom see just thunder and lightning and the mountain enveloping this big storm as god is coming down everybody freaks out and you know it's been a while moses is up there for a really long time so what end up happening is that some of the some of not all jews were completely sold on this idea of monotheism that moses was pushing so now that he's gone for a long time all this standard lighting business made something that maybe moses is dead makes quite a few of them revert to say well screw monotheism let's go back to what we knew which is worship a bunch of different gods. Oh, if only I had a golden calf around. Exactly. So as they are doing that, they um, create this uh, statue of the golden calf, which was the golden calf is uh, like the bull, in this case, the bull calf, but the bull is a symbol of fertility. That was a classic, um, was a classic religious symbol in the Middle East of uh, fertility cults. There were a whole bunch of gods and goddesses that were about sex and fertility. So they are having a rather orgiastic ceremony down there, dancing and music and probably even juicier stuff that the biblical authors are not telling us. Some real intense stuff is going on. And you have basically this giant rave surrounding the the golden calf. Moses... Rocky the, Yeah, there's that, because right? I'm pretty sure there's some serious action going on. And Moses is less than pleased with this. First, actually, God is less than pleased. There's this hilarious dialogue that takes place still at the top before Moses goes down. What the hell is going on down there? Exactly. Where God's, it goes something like this. God tells Moses, you know what happening down there? Your people have reverted to worshiping other gods. They have sinned against me. I'm going to kill them all. And Moses goes like, come on, God, don't be like that. By the way, I'm paraphrasing, but not much. I mean, if you read the Exodus, that's pretty much the way the dialogue goes. Moses is telling God, come on, don't do that. That first, it would make you look weird, because first you save all these people out of Egypt just to squash them in the middle of the desert. It's going to make you look strange. And you don't have to. You know, I'm going to take care of it. Let me handle it. And God is like, Okay, fine, but, you know, I'm mad, so you deal with How it. How many people get to talk back to God like that? I know, it's pretty funny. you think that'd be some smite-ready yeah. fuck-up right there? Yeah, no, but Moses is the chosen one, so it's... Um, now, God, listen! <laughs> yeah, he's just appealing to his good sense, and then God comes down. And <sighs> so here is what happened. Every People, even if they don't give a crap about religion, everybody's heard the Ten Commandments story, and, you know, all the moral laws that are handed from God to the Jewish people... Some people occasionally know what happens immediately afterwards. You know, when I ask my students when we're talking about religion and history of religions, everybody heard the Ten Commandments. Some people, when I say, yeah, but that's the warm-up. The good stuff comes after that, you know. is They you take know, it out of the Ark of the Covenant and the Nazis get melted. Not quite yet. Damn. That's a few steps away. No, we have... Um, Moses comes down and he's all mad and he smashes the tablets of the Ten Commandments 
and eventually you know he's gonna get the next set after something else take place so there will be um the new version they are the same things but it's like big I'm gonna I'm gonna even gonna get into all the theological reasons why that happens. It's really complicated and it sidetracks us. But what actually does happen, which is where the story gets really juicy, is that Moses now is down, realized that this is what's going on, and he has to make a choice about how to tackle this. You know, what do we do with all these damn other people from my tribes who are now worshipping other gods? Well take their Cialis back. Yeah, you think that they could have a nice discussion saying, hey guys, really, you know, I thought we had cleared that up already, what's going on, you know. That's not the way it's going to play out. Quoting from Exodus, quoting from Moses, these are the words attributed in the Holy Bible to Mr. Moses. Moses says he grabs uh, his most loyal followers, the ones who are still sticklers for monotheism, gather them around him. So Moses says, so he broke him before he announced him to everybody. Hmm? He, I thought he, I thought he made the presentation and this and that, and you'll do this and the seventh day is the Sabbath, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was later. That will happen later. So oh. what happened right now is Moses yeah, gathers his followers, the loyalists, and he's and they're essentially split within the Jewish tribes. They're polytheistic Jews and monotheistic Jews. Which, by the way, this is people don't bring it up, but this is half of the story of the Old Testament is polytheistic Jews and monotheistic Jews going at each other's throat. That goes on for chapter after chapter after chapter. And in this case, this is one of the highlights. This is where Moses gathers his followers, the monotheistic Jews, and say, put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. Let's try that again. What just happened here? You know, Moses was up the mountain. Incidentally, one of the commandments is how you are not supposed to murder people. Yeah, yeah. Except that clearly if people are not honoring the God that says that you shouldn't murder people, then clearly you need to murder them, right? So the way to sell these new commandments is to immediately come down and start breaking them. Yeah, well, again, the way they justify it is it's the legitimate punishment for breaking one of the other commandments, which is to not listen, not honoring the one God. Oh, the false idols. So, with that, but then again, look at the words. Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. This is could be Moses, I mean, it is Moses, could be Hitler, yeah. could be Stalin, could be Mao, Pol Pot, Torquemada, the whole list of people who are genocidal maniacs who want to squash anybody who doesn't believe the way they do. And it's right there, you know, right smack there in the good pages of the Holy Bible. This is in many ways the very origin of the idea of holy war, the whole notion that extreme violence can be holy can be in the name of god is right there then you know it's within jewish theology christianity will run with it which is what why the crusades and everything else will be justified with this kind of passages over and over again islam will put this on steroids you know this is the idea of holy war is born here in many ways so because what happens is Moses' little death squad grab their sword and go out and they massacre 3,000 Jews. Just chop them to pieces. Freshly pulled from the 
ravages of the Red Sea parting yeah. to escape slavery. These guys, what are they doing? They're having a big party worshipping another god. Sorry, can't have that. You guys will be hacked to pieces. And, you know, Moses is essentially saying, look, I feel bad about this. You know, these are our neighbors. These are our friends. Some of them are family. But, hey, they are worshipping the, the wrong god. So there's only one thing to do. Just go in and kill them all. Uh, Miss Mary, whatever the fuck her name was, explain to me how this is not a terrorist. Explain to me how this idea of killing civilians, butchering them with swords because they worship the wrong god, how is this different from ISIS? Please, you know, maybe thanks to your multiple PhDs, you can explain to me how the whole thing works because that's exhibit A for what religious terrorism is. You know, and... Uh, and just in case we are thinking that this is a one-time thing that Moses was just having a bad day, these will show up again and again and again. I think we'll give you, you know, Moses part two, or in this case part three, because we had the, the warm-up for the next time, because there's this is the most dramatic moment of it all. You know, this is the highlight, but there will be others that don't... They give this one a good run for its money in terms of the brutality, the intensity, and the clarity of the message. There's no ambiguity here, you know. There's no like, oh, wait, but they meant this. No way, but this is somebody who killed 3,000 people because they don't like their religious beliefs. Uh, do what you will with it. So, yeah, Mr. Christian Bale, I'm afraid he's pretty right on this. There are not too many ways to, to spin it. There are not too many other ways to look at the whole thing. We await your response, Mary. Yeah, Mary. But um, is that Mary, by the way? I kind of read it fast, so I'm maybe making up her name. I don't know if it's not. We'll some, put the right, I'm sending an email right afterwards to see if she wants to. Random evil academic. But um, yeah, so on that note. More dusty ghosts. Put your kids to bed. This has been a great moment. And that, I guess, was funny to me about the whole movie, the, doing a movie about Moses, that I was like, oh, please let them make a movie about Moses. Show me the the real stuff that happens according to the Bible. Again, by the way, this could all be mythology because there's no proof that none of these events have been historically uh, looked at. There's no archaeology to back it up. There are no Egyptian sources. There's really nothing but the Old Testament. So it could be, everything could be true to the last point. This could be all historical events or this could be an entire mythology. We don't know. But the whole uh, Graham Hancock, Duncan Trussell, the Demiurge story, the fact that the Old Testament God is a demon designed to get off on multiplying human misery. Well, this passage does not do a whole lot to deny that claim. And um, But yeah, I'm waiting for Exodus Part 2, where after the whole uh, Red Sea moment, they actually show this stuff, and they show the stuff that we're going to be talking about next time, because this is where serious religious brutality finds its home. It's where it's born, in many ways. It's what will, will give rise to this whole idea of Hollywood that has fucked up the world ever since, is what it's what isis is doing it's funny it's like if you're not careful as time progresses you could see whole nations formed on genocide and slit oh, oh wait a minute <laughs> I, yeah i think i need to be excused father Bellelli. i think i need to be excused too this one challenged my own limits
ready to roll with our rant. Fresh rants for the new year. Actually, this is a lie. This is not a rant. It's not even close. We'll just call it a rant because we call, need to call it something. Gotta but put we're it somewhere. Just talking about random stuff. It's a runty rant. Yeah, it's more random randomness. Oh, good. Random randomness. Let's see. What do we got? We have uh, under the file nature sucks. You know, I, I love nature. Nature is awesome. Nature is life, right? That's where it's at. But there are moments where the natural world is occasionally reminds you that Jesus. We had an early episode where I think we even titled it after the rapist necrophiliac ducks. Ducks chasing each other and uh, when the female duck miss a turn and crash against the tree and snap her neck. The male duck was trying to chase her to rape her decide that, oh well, the body's still warm, might as well. So yeah, there's that. Bad ducks. There's, speaking of uh, feathery rape, the, um, I don't know if you saw the most horrible thing that was viral by the time we released this, was probably a month or two ago, the seal raping the penguin. You didn't see that? No. Uh, you did yourself a big favor. I saw the dolphin try to hump on the woman. That's better considerably better because picture the dimension seal yeah, uh, yeah penguin seems to be a bit of an orifice problem there yeah and apparently yeah there were these seals i forget whether, whether where was it but yeah there were with full picture and everything where there are all the other penguins staring there and looking at like oh jesus that could be me next and uh, the seal just pins a penguin down and goes at it and i'm like doesn't kill them. At least there were like four observed instances. One time then decided to promptly eat the penguin afterwards. That seems to be just That's rather wrong. Amazing. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Pick one, man. The first three times was just sex and let go, but still, that's not nice. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, poor seal hunted by... Yeah, it's probably the very uh, uh, harbor seals, the pup seals that they used to bash on the head with sticks and yeah. they had to be sad and throw blood on people and yeah, yeah, rape the yeah. seals. So, yeah, that was that. And this one under the file, uh, seagulls are assholes. I was reading this story about uh, some whales that they have learned this technique of breathing where I forgot what they do because I read the story too quick, but they are basically flipping themselves in a really weird way where, because they don't want to expose themselves for too long above water because what happens is that a bunch of seagulls would come down and take giant pieces of flesh off the whale, just eating her basically alive. And this could be like inches deep and inches wide, just this big giant pop, 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 pop eating a piece of whale that then goes off bleeding along in the ocean. So the whales had to develop this tactic to swim in a weird particular way to avoid uh, being pecked at by the seagulls. So, yes. Wow. Nature. Later on, we'll see. I, I wish I had a seagull on my sights instead of a bullfrog. I don't. There's... Uh, Bastards? Yeah, not pretty. Not pretty at all. Now, there are, I'm sure, some very sweet animals out there. There are, those are the stories that move me and I love. But man, there are some nasty bastards out there. So, yeah, evil is not limited to the human world alone, apparently. Well, I don't know if you call it evil, it's what they do, but still, it's fucked up. <laughs> so, on that note, then what do we have? Um, speaking of the interaction with animals... This was good times, and again, I'm, I'm throwing random things in here. There's no rhyme or reason to anything in these next few minutes that we're playing with. So, 
I was um, with the lovely Savannah M, the designer of our Dionysian Parade t-shirt. I handed her a glass of wine and uh, she was about to drink it when she looked inside and she said, there's a bug here. And you know, she passed it back. I took a look. There was indeed a bug swimming in the wine. Thought about it twice and I was like, oh well. So I downed the bug and the wine at the same time. And I felt that my manly points, you know, I gained, I definitely gained manly points. That's what a real man does. And a couple grams of protein. Yeah, exactly. So that didn't hurt. But yeah, I don't know. Bugs, eating bugs doesn't bother me. So I'm all for it. Well, they'll happily eat you when the time comes. Absolutely. So it's, uh, I'll get you first, bastards. And uh, what else we got? There was something else I want. Oh, this is a story. It was funny. When when we were, right now as we were recording, I happened to take a peek on Facebook as um, there's this page on Facebook that is, I think, dedicated to the Joe Rogan podcast. So it's mainly, you know, Joe's fans chatting about various things. And somebody posted a story that had me. I was, during a break, I was just laughing my ass off at this story because it was just too funny. So I'm going to bring it up right now. It's a story that posted by some dude on Reddit who was uh, horrendously depressed. And I quote from the Reddit post, went to Mexico to buy barbitu. How do you pronounce that word? Barbituates. Now, come on, serious. Is that how you say it? Really? Okay, well, whatever he said, some drugs that are... Downers. Yeah. Sleeping pills. Went to Mexico to buy for a humane and peaceful death. Decided that if I was going to die anyway, I might as well fuck a prostitute before it was all over. After that, a cab driver offered to sell me cocaine. <laughs> One thing led to another, and I got a room above a whorehouse equipped with a heart-shaped bed, a stripper pole, and a hot tub. Spent a full week snorting coke off tits, popping pain meds, drinking tequila, eating handfuls of Viagra, and had uh, three threesomes. Somewhere... <laughs> Somewhere in the midst of my coke-fueled orgy, I decided life wasn't so bad after all. You know, there's a reason the Make-A-Wish Foundation is only for children, because this is what most 97% of them would look like. Oh my god, that is so funny. It's and like, didn't kill himself. No, he decided, <laughs> went back home, and life was fine. It's like, the guy's depressed beyond imagination, decided to take a trip to Mexico, have hooker orgies, do yeah. lots of drugs and sometimes fight. Hey, life is good after all. When that, when that, when that uh, antibiotic resistant sta- uh, uh, um, fuck syphilis gets a hold of him. Yeah, yeah, that's he might. He might that were there, my friend. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> careful. And I can see how not everybody would go through the same. Ex- many ex- people would go through the same thing and feel like depressed even more because it's like Jesus, this is seedy and weird. So I'm not necessarily advocating. I was finding ironic the whole vibe of it all. You know, something it, for everybody. Yeah, you go in to kill yourself, and this is what you go through, and you come out thinking life is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that was that. That this, by the way, is why we don't have uh, more conventional sponsors. You know, it's like the only people who sponsor are cr- as crazy as we are, because otherwise, this is what you get. It's like brought to you by AT and T. Let us tell you about uh, rapist seals uh, against penguins. Let us tell you about the dude who goes through cocaine fueled hooker orgies in Mexico and. Yeah. Brought to you by my awesome Meister Fog Pen, which is still going strong. Nice. Yeah, that's that's what we got. Those are the good people, though. 
in any case I'll shut up even because I have to go pick up Isabella soon and we have to make things quick and I know I have a lot to talk about in the next segment so let's jump in the next one We just got through the holiday season. How did Izzy do? Did she have a good time? Because you went visiting. Yeah, I traveled, which is always bad on the holiday season, and I was punished for my sins. So yesterday, while riding back on I-5 on the 5 freeway, I got busted for speeding. So that was not fun. Was she delighting in it? Was she like, oh, the police, we can finally get the swords out? No, it was, um, well, I mean, that was, it's another thing. It's like, was I speeding? Yes, horrendously. There was nobody. It's like open road, so it wasn't really dangerous. It was not like I was zigzagging to traffic or anything like that. But still, uh, the cop stopped me and I was like, well, sir, you are doing 87 miles per hour. And I'm like, I feel you. I'll, uh, it was funny, though, because Isabella promptly jumped up and decided, because she has, you know, no issue talking to anybody, right? Yeah. So she immediately started talking to the cop, the second. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, her explanation was hilarious, because she was like, but, you know, he couldn't tell it. And I was like, let's hear what she said, because this is too fun. Let's see where she's going with it. She's like, we had a really rocking song on the radio and he was good, you know, and he couldn't help it, got too excited. And I was like, ironically enough, we are listening to The Clash, I fought the law. And in this case, again, the law won, so. And you couldn't help it. And I couldn't help it. I got too excited and I had to drive fast, so. I like your attorney's uh, approach, but I just don't know how successful it's going to be. It's it was mildly successful. Well, it certainly helped when he saw her because under. when I handed my driving license, I don't know if you noticed right now, Rich, but... I was going to get to that? Yeah, I have like, let's see, green and purple glitter nail polish on. And um, that's Isabella's handiwork. She decided that she needed to paint my nails. Sure does, sir. And exactly. And uh, so when the dude How was saw, your rave party last night, right, sir? When the dude saw that I had a five-year-old daughter, he was like, oh, okay. You know, he, I think I, in the light when Tony this said, I was like, okay, I get why this crazy bastard has glitter on his fingernails and stuff. You're not a real man if you haven't let your daughter paint your nails once or twice. I agree. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And I forget about it. So, you know, after she painted them, it's not like I rushed to take it off. I'm like, I forgot about it. When he's going to go off, he's going to go off. It's fun in the meantime, though, because I'm handing, you know, Anything I do, I see sometimes people look at me really weird, and I'm like, the fuck are they looking at me really weird for? And then I look down, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have uh, super glittery stuff on. I got no room, man. I, I, when we went for our first Dodgers game months ago, yeah. um, my toes went Dodger blue for my... Oh, of course. You know, thanks to my daughter once again, and those last flecks of blue are still hanging out. Nice. Yeah. Those you can hide them, though. Hands are like old fucking time are in front of everybody's face. She did a fine job, man. And, you know, uh, something yeah. to fall back on in case worse comes to worse. Yeah, the green uh, the green glitter is lasting a lot longer than the purple, but still, it's... Um, yeah, man, that was interesting. Now I know what the picture for the episode will be. I know, we should put that. And... Um, 
And yeah, speaking of which, if you guys want to, sometimes some of the stuff that we did do talk about ends up on my Facebook page. So if you guys want to use Facebook at all, check it out. I have a public Facebook page where I regularly embarrass myself with things like the picture of my purple fingernails or stuff like that. So by all means, please check it. But uh, yeah, so the whole interaction with the cop, the cop was actually, you know, I've never been an enormous fan of law enforcement. Let's put it that way. But he's just doing his job. He was just doing his job and he was nice about it. You know, he actually said, you know what, I'm just going to write it down. Uh, he's still giving me a ticket, but he's like, I'll put it down at 75. Oh, that, that was really will nice. uh, lower the fine that you get. And I'm like, okay, that's the iron guy doing his job and you're trying to be nice. 87 could have been about reckless it. on top of that. Yeah, it could have been bad. So I was like, well, that's sweet. Thanks, man. You know, it's like, I get it. You know, it's fine. And generally speaking, when I. Mm, Put them all together, my interaction with law enforcement have been more unpleasant than pleasant, you know, for the most part. But there are guys like this guy who are not bad people, you know, are just doing their thing and they are not trying to flex muscle and show their authority. There are a lot of those guys, but there are some that are not. So whatever, you know, he was definitely on the more mellow end of it all. I think that's an appropriate way to be if you've got that job yeah no he was cool he was he was you know again no nothing no complaints there you know yep. so the um, other isabella stuff let's see so we got well this is uh now really late in terms of compared to when it happened but some of you guys may have noticed my last joe rogan's appearance was a little strange because um it was a first for sure yeah because um basically nobody none of the people who normally help me out with isabella could help out my mom couldn't uh, you know it, there was a whole i was going like to plan f and it still wasn't working so after a while i was like you know what fuck it i have to i really have no option she has to come with me we have to go together to do the joe rogan experience you and may be the poster child for single mothers out there yeah seriously i was like look what they have to go through the hoops yep and and the problem is that with joe is like is not exactly that organizing things is always the smoothest process ever because you know it's like he has a lot of stuff on his table so sometimes is. Uh, you know, if you set something up and then you have to change it, uh, the odds that stuff can go wrong and that never happens can in exponentially increase as time goes by. So <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I don't want to mess with him at the last moment. Go, oh, I can't make it. Let's try another time because it may never happen. So I'm like, you know what? Fine. Let's just try. And in my very optimistic imagination, I was picturing we get there. You sit in a corner, I brought headphones, you watch movies nonstop, you watch a couple of movies, we get through the podcast, everybody's happy. What percentage have you really believed it was going to go that way? 40%. Oh, that's, okay, that's that's dead optimism, that's fine. And um, so we get there, and like within three seconds, she's like, Oh, yeah, what's this? I'm Look not, at that over there. I'm not staying in this do? other room by myself, <laughs> screw that. I'm like, okay, okay, stay right next to me. You can like sit on the floor right next to me. You got your headphones on and we do it this way. Within five minutes, I don't know why, because she'll do that at home. But within five minutes, she's like, nope, not watching the damn movie. I'm just going to sit on your lap and squirm and throw my feet and pull the microphone cord. And I was like, oh, fuck. I thought it was awesome. And I, and I watched the video, too, and I thought Joe handled it all right, but he wasn't exactly 
No, he was not pleased. No, he was not particularly (laughs) pleased. Which was kind of awesome anyway. Good. You could say that. But I was like, hey, man. It's like, I can cancel at the last moment and just not have a podcast or we can do it in and all in all you know fuck she's five-year-old she overall she she didn't start screaming in the middle she didn't interrupt conversation it was challenging to keep the conversation straight with this crazy squirming monkey running all over me yeah be sure to watch the video version the the audio doesn't do it no because the audio you don't really hear her not so much you can hear with Mr. Rogan, but, but yeah, Joe is. Uh, you can. It was funny how vi- visually because you know we're talking that you'd be looking at me, and all of a sudden I see his eyes go all over because he's like following all the crazy things she's doing, and he's getting totally distracted. And I'm like, oh well, man, sorry, there's nothing else I can do about this. I guess it was just our our, our week for crazy Rogans because I spent the day after Christmas or the Christmas night chasing Seth Rogan. Oh, uh, from theater to theater so that he could kiss everybody's ass for coming to these little shitty theaters to... Do you think that was staged? The whole Sony thing? That stuff definitely was, but the whole whole overall thing? I don't think they'd let their corporate secrets go just to... Push the movie Yeah, it'd be one thing of, oh, the movie got downloaded, but to completely have everybody's salaries and... Maybe not, That's kind of really... I mean, I guess if you're going to do it, you go all the way, but I just... My favorite thing of that is they had the list of the millionaires. There's like uh-huh. 18 of them that make a million dollars over there. Shockingly, all white but one, you know, and all men but one. Right. How can that be? No. But there's three dudes that make a million dollars and four cents. That's and you funny. know that's got to be because, no, oh, no, you make a whole lot more than JB down the hallway there. No, man, you make four cents more than right. him. So. That's like, I've heard it with basketball players a bunch, where when they angle for salary, there's a salary plus one dollar because they want to make more than the other guy. guy. And it's pretty funny. But (laughs) but yeah, the whole Joe thing is, um, and I think also... It didn't tell, in fact, if I'll never again on the Joe Rogan experience, you guys will know why. Because actually, I'm about to tell you, because the experience itself of the podcast was challenging. But I think Joe understands, you know, shit happens. And I'm sorry. And exactly. Not all of us have, you know, staff. No, no. And it's it's understood, you know. I think, and he was totally cool about it. I think the part that got a little trickier was at the end of the podcast. Isabella had a prompt idea to start yelling at Joe. And he was fucking hilarious. I'm like, well, at least she got that out of the way with him and didn't save it for the cop. Yeah, she, exactly. At least she didn't yell at the cop. What yeah. did she yell at him? She, uh, Joe at one point said, uh, I forget what he said, but he's like, uh, something, something, brother. And Isabella said, why did you call him brother? She's like, well, you know, he's like with friends. It's like sometimes you can use the word brother. It's sort of like, she's like, don't do that again. He's not your brother. Don't don't call him brother again. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Don't yell at Joe. <laughs> it's like, he thinks this didn't go bad enough already, right? <laughs> like, let's add more layers to how bad we're going to make it. So, yeah, there was that. Wow. I think well, the theme of this episode is goodbye 2014 and fucking see you later. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Uh, at least the, the one good thing we got out of it is Isabella, had, when you walk into Joe's studio, there's this gigantic werewolf, uh, not sculpture, whatever the hell it is. It looks... Uh, yeah. Dummy thing. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's like it looks like what you would expect a real werewolf to look like. It's really huge and gigantic. And um, Isabella was like... Oh, werewolf. 
oh, okay, I'm going to ride on him. And she just, like, she let me lift her up and put her riding on this super scary beast, and she's all happy with her big smile. And so, actually, you know what? We'll use that as an yeah. episode note picture. That's almost, yeah, that's a, better than the fingernails. Yeah, Isabella riding the werewolf <laughs> is uh, was glorious. So, yes. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's the whole uh, Isabella on a podcast, the way it went. Well, enjoy it. My daughter managed to come home for less than 72 hours for Christmas, and it's just a hard realization that she's got her own life now, and she ain't coming back that much anymore. That's actually something that we're going to explore in a further episode where I, it's the precisely a discussion we're having before the mics came on, yeah. which is how much it sucks that we live in a culture where any sense of community any sense of tribal living is gone it's like everybody's their own individual life at most you have nuclear family while kids are within that age range in which it's appropriate to be around them and other than that is a fucking lonely setup you know the whole way our culture our culture is great in some way because it's about speed wise is great get stuff done quick take chances move across the country do this thing you know there's a lot of movement which is good in some way and then it sucks because there's also a lot of movement which means inevitably it's hard to make plans with others if there's all this movement going on and so it's a very lonely you know married couple and fuck everyone else kind of thing and it's I don't think that's the way we're designed. No, I think it needs to be repaired quickly because yeah. and it may be by design that we exist that way now. Separate, scared, alone. Yeah, that's it's, good, good for controlling. It's not a good way to live. But we'll get into our whole uh, modern tribal living. We'll, uh, not Because, by the way, not that I have any fucking answers because I don't know exactly how to make it happen. It's not like I have the solution. But, but we can about explore. This a thousand times. We can, we're definitely aware that there's something wrong and there's yeah. a better way to do it. We can explore the topic. Yeah. If it wasn't for Skype, my wife would not survive this conversation. <laughs> that's for sure. In any case, the Isabella moment is done. Let's wrap and let's move on. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. I don't know if it's my fancy sleep apnea machine, but my, my, my sleep has been deeper. And I came out of a dream where Gretchen said I was flailing and giving directions. And inside the dream, it was this crazy scenario where my team was up next. It was sort of like some sort of competition, like directing class or acting class or something but the person before us was putting theirs on and i just wanted a moment to look over my lines because i couldn't remember my lines oh that's always a bad one and the show that the person was putting on was like a a terry gilliam x extravaganza where the stage broke open and it was 50 feet tall and these huge canvases were dropping in the backdrop and there were a thousand extras and uh cecil b DeMille was directing the thing and it was just ha how am I going to compete? So the whole time I'm like painting flats gray and getting ready for ours and organizing people. And the whole time I was carrying my trumpet case from fifth grade. It was just so amazingly immersive and there was no way I was going to beat these guys. But still, with every last effort, I was trying to get something organized to at least not look like an idiot. People have been popping alpha brain <laughs> from here to yeah, that might to be try to get that visible vivid dreams. It was a heavy one, man. It was uh, deep into it, and yeah. And apparently, I was exhibiting in the uh, in the dream world that we actually exist in. That's funny. Just acting it out big time. Calling, yeah. I've been doing a lot of that lately. I get, I sleep deeper now, and 
I, well, I told her to freeze, motherfucker, one night while I was asleep. She's like, what? What? Don't remember. You are yelling at somebody? Yeah. Somewhere in a dream. My parents will not dress in a dream, but... Yeah, something crazy. That anyway. could be your new thing. You're like, say, terrible things. They're like, hey, I was in a dream. I wasn't talking to you. It was just... I already have a younger son that likes it. Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, I was asleep. Like, the hell you were asleep. Right. You don't get a free pass just because you're groggy. Yeah. Let me put you to sleep. Let's see how <laughs> that goes. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, dream I, time. I wish I'd been uh, more deeply asleep for this one. Because this is a short one and it's a sad one. And it's as fucked up my life ever since. This is like childhood dream. Ooh. I don't remember how old I was. I was like seven, eight, six, ten, somewhere in there, right? Just fairly young. Impressionable. Yeah. And it was not a good moment in my life. So here is what happened. The basic setup of the dream, which I, you know, I forgot a lot of the details inevitably because it was so long ago. But the fact that I kind of remember it is bad because the impression was so the the dream was some sort of a political clash between factions arguing it was and basically one faction was trying to argue that my mother and father were i guess important in the other faction in this political clash they were horrible traitors and they were and you know these guys had just come into power and they were, this was not a, you know, election win 51%. This was like a French Revolution kind of thing where, you know, whoever come into power seriously has power. They're going to have it for a little control while. Control the whole game, right? And basically they were asking me to denounce them, to be the one who sort of point the finger and say, yes, they are terrible indeed and everything else. And, you know, based on every movie I've ever seen, I had this sense of myself as a, always identifying with the hero of the movie of this noble and heroic character who does the right thing who stand up in the face and in the dream i totally sold out and i just pointed the finger denounced my parents just because i wanted to stay alive or i wanted to be not in trouble with the powerful and then i woke up and i was like oh my god i'm a horrible human being so I think uh, everything I've ever done since that is to try to get rid of that impression and try to instead uh, uh, prove that that dream was not correct. But yes. Ow! Yeah, that hurt a lot. You're just a scared child. Perhaps you didn't understand. Uh, still, scared child or not, the impression that I had was... It stuck with you? Yeah. The you know I thought I was a hero and I found out I was an evil coward. Well, because they'd have lined you up next anyway, so. Yeah, but you know, in the all the good movies I've seen, you die fighting the good fight. You don't just give in and turn into a. Yeah, I I thought there was a Sophie's Choice reference or something in there, but no, not at all. No, that was bad. Turncoat. Bad, bad, bad. See, that was just your mind giving you the exercise to show how badly it could go. Yep. To keep you on guard against it in the future, it did you a favor. Well, it could have gone that way because I could have to taken it as a learning experience in that fashion. I did not. I just took it as a you're an awful human being and you should shoot yourself fashion. Oh. So even though I haven't shot myself, it definitely has mind inside of me just like poking at me in the back of my mind. It's like, you suck. Isn't it amazing what sticks with you? Yeah. I'll share a dark moment. Please do. Fifth grade, BB gun, happy bullfrog, swim, no. swimming by the pond. Oh, what an asshole. 
I've never forgiven myself for it. And you shouldn't. No, I shouldn't. I mean, it changed me forever, for sure. Oh, man. Because it seemed like a fun, good idea at the time. But he just wouldn't die, and it was all my fault. Yep. And this wasn't some poisonous snake or anything. Just a yeah. fat, happy little frog sitting in the sunshine, warming his amphibious self up. Yeah, I have, a, I have not, not frogs, but yes. I've had bugs, which, you know, bugs... I don't sympathize quite as much, but still, there was uh, moments where, like, why do I need to be an asshole, you know? Yeah. Why do I need to go out of my way to... So, yes, we Everybody are horrible. Everybody knows in my house, if there's a spider or a wriggly you don't like, just call me, because I will collect it and take it outside. And the only... I, I will kill black widows and I will kill yeah, brown clues, but beyond that... But there's a difference between doing what you have to do and gloating about it and looking for it, you yeah. know? That's a big difference. That's why... Even like recently, I heard a lot about people regarding hunting. And, you know, I have nothing against you hunt for food. You know, if you eat yeah. what you kill. Of course. It's okay. You know, if you eat meat, might as well. That's better than if you eat it from uh, factory farming. I don't like the picture taking opportunity part of it. It's kind of like if you win a MMA fight, if you're jumping up on, around the cage going like, yeah, I rule, while the other dude is unconscious, bleeding from his eyes. Yeah. Eh, you know, that does not strike me as how it's supposed to play the game. Well, there's know? a lot to be said for the notion to act like you've been there before. Yeah, it's like, hey, this is uh, somebody else who's coming in with your same motivation, with your same stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, you do what you got to do, but there's the gloating part. I don't dig it. I don't dig it when it comes to hunting. I don't dig it when it comes to fighting. I don't dig it when it comes to any of that stuff. Is it's? But again, here is I'm trying to climb out of the holes that we just threw ourselves in by showing that we are horrible people, and I'm trying to suddenly lecture about morality to other people. Well, I, you don't got to lecture. I don't think there's two guys. It's more obvious that we know we're not perfect. Right. We're not trying to sell that. Yeah, so in any case, this was the worst dream. My hope is the worst dream. I don't know. I had some bad ones, That's but this is one. definitely... I've from some scary ones where I was certainly happy that that wasn't going down anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you know, what the fuck? The bad one about this is that it's a, a possibly revealing something about your nature, and uh, that made me feel horrible. I felt like that's inside of me, that kind of weakness, that kind of stupid feels more sellout. likely that you had, had stumbled across the uh the uh, the Mr. Spock reverse universe where you know I, you know, yeah. and, and we're just getting a taste of what would be possible if yeah. you were in the evil alternate universe. No, and there's something to be said about that, about understanding that even people who fail to behave to standards of behavior that you considered noble and good and acceptable there's a human being there who's screwing up out of weakness, you know, and doesn't mean that you should, you know, justify it because of that. Oh, sorry that you had to murder three kids because you had a bad childhood. Well, it's your weakness. It's to be understood. No, there's nothing to be. It's like, screw you. You still no. need to die. The problem is you can see what bring people to do stuff, not that that justify them. So again, I'm in the hole. I've been a horrible coward who sold out my parents in dreamland. And I shall forever have to work to amend that. It's funny you mentioned the hunting people, um, because after the uh, record business fell apart with Napster, I spent three years doing hunting and fishing shows for the Outdoor Channel. Right. And the thing I always thought was the craziest is that they'll kill this thing, which is fine, I guess, unless it's a zebra over a water hill or sure. some crazy shit like that. 
But they always get around it and look over the dead carcass with a big hole in the bloody spot. And they usually cut the tongue out so it's not hanging out when they take the picture. And they'll say the same thing. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's that's not beautiful, motherfucker. It was a bit more beautiful yeah. about eight minutes ago before yeah. you put a big hole with it with your fucking laser-guided scope and your, yeah. you know, blast-assisted everything. And yeah, that bugs me. It's like, you know, you're going to eat, you're going to use every last part. Great, you know, I get it. I understand. But to, there's a great, um, in Black Elk Speaks, there's, um, Black Elk has this line about going to war and um, painting yourself black because the whole thing was kind of like, there's an element of it that there's a hiding in coming back from war because ultimately even if it was justified even if you did the right thing it's not where you want it to be it's not where uh the Dao Te Ching has this line about how the greatest military victory should be celebrated with a state funeral because ultimately is it's not it's not the ideal way you wanted to handle things does that mean that you don't do it hey if that needs to be done that needs to be done you know if that's stopping somebody from coming in and raping and pillaging, you do what needs to be done. But, you know, dancing around the fire gloating, that's a bit of a different... That's taking it a few notches in another Or forever direction. existing in that moment of being on the battlefield yeah. is the penultimate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Wow. Dark. Yes. Dark. Happy New Year. Yeah. It's story time, everybody, brought to you by our friends at Sure Design T-Shirts, where they like to tell you, happy nipples make a happy planet. Indeed. As usual, I'm sporting a Sure Design T-Shirt That's right the lovely now. Dionysian Parade, which we saw the yellow, like, super secret. Have you ever seen these little packages again, and you don't know what the toy is inside, but it's one of 144, and you might get the one lucky one, or you might get the one that everybody else gets, and you don't know, and you open it up. You had that. The yeah. yellow one is it. Yeah, that was a... Um... A rarity. Ben had just sent me a couple of um, shirts that were off call, like not the colors that we normally have, and so they promptly became a one-time piece. And well, I um I brought one of those shirts to a friend of mine for his Christmas party, mm-hmm. and he's a rock and roll guy, so it's going to make a lot of appearances out across the country as he plays out. Nice. But the 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 hippie arty, you know, um, I don't know. I was going to say nice word, hipster folks that were at the party really thought a lot of it and they dug it. surfboard nice. Nietzsche might be the favorite thing of all yeah surfboard Nietzsche is coming up next i will be putting uh, uh pictures for pre-orders to see who wants it because i don't know if we'll have it in stock we'll just probably do pre-orders and whoever gets it gets it and that's it is your favorite quote but did it win uh, did number four win uh you know what there are still arguments on that because they came really close i had uh, for those of you guys who don't know what we're saying we i put up on facebook a referendum of pick the which of four nietzsche quotes you want to go with the t-shirt we'll probably put it on the back the front is so cool that I think I want to leave it as is, but on the back when we put the Drunken Taoist podcast, then we'll have a Nietzsche quote that goes with it, and you'll see the design of our Mr. Friedrich Nietzsche carrying his surfboard in that Susara short, Drunken Taoist shirt, and a bottle of wine in his hand. It's glorious. But yes, more to that, I will, um, probably by the next episode, I will announce a link to where we have pre-orders so we can start taking them and That's see what's up. It's a new up. year, time for a new shirt, the third already. Yeah, I indeed. I think you're getting gray over there, my man. Yeah, no, that was fun. But um, Story time! Let's get down to business. So this is a lovely turn-the-other-cheek story, uh, forgiveness, 
No, wait, no, that's not it. I made a mistake. It's not exactly like that. You had your Gandhi book open again, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So close that one, different one, because this is a story from just a couple of months ago, uh, in late November, a story out of Afghanistan that involves a lady by the name of Reza Gol, G-U-L. Uh, Miss Reza Gol had... Um, this is what happens. Her son is uh, an Afghan policeman, that was like the stupidest thing I ever said, by the way, an Afghan policeman. He's like, I have to announce the nationality of somebody. He's like, of course he's an Afghan police. He's Afghan. He's a cop. He's in Afghanistan. He's, he's like, like saying so-and-so is an American police. But it automatically made him seem more dangerous. Yeah, whatever. Because so, those guys have it rough. I'm just stupid. So in any case, yes, her son is a cop. Who's there not in a Afghanistan. No, he's policeman. not. And... Uh, Taliban attack the position where he's working at. Told and, you it's dangerous. And exactly, he got shot and killed. Oh. So that start. Miss Redzagol, like a good mother, does not take this well. No. And uh, what she does is that she'll gather her husband, her daughter, her youngest son, and their daughter-in-law. And uh, how many have we said? Five of them? Five of them, yeah. Husband, daughter, youngest son, daughter-in-law, as well as her. They get their AK ready and they go look for the Taliban. They get into this huge battle and they end up killing 25 of them. So don't piss Red Zagol off because vengeance is sacred. Wow. And mm. did all five of them survive? Apparently so. She says that uh, my young son who was a police officer was killed in front of my eyes. I pulled aside his dead body and started fighting to defend my soil to prove that this is the soil of, the, of Malalai, the hero. I was committed to give up my life, but not my son's check post. Yeah. So, and she's, you know, she was like, we started kind of family war against the Taliban. And basically the whole idea was like, they were ready to all go out and die, but they were like, this is not going to go unavenged. So, yeah. The um, five of them, automatic weapons, giant Taliban massacre. They got into it for several hours, and by the end of it, they killed 25 Taliban. So, on that lovely note... I got no negatives with that. I like that story a lot. No? I'm not happy her son got killed. Yeah, that sucks, but... Um, Fucking Taliban. I've been mad at them since they blew the Buddhas up, and then they yeah. just went crazy. That. Exhibit A in the point that I've made either a little bit ago or a little bit I will make since I never know how we stack the various aspects of the Drunken Towers you record. You are currently after right now, sir. Okay, so in a point that's about no, that it's about to be made. No, has that been I made. okay in the point that has clearly been made in the past. <laughs> the ex, yeah, the Taliban are Exhibit A in the religious assholes, you know. I don't care that they are religious, I care the fact that they are assholes and they want to squash everybody else's opinions and, uh, uh, well, not Reza Gol's opinion. Apparently she had something to say about that. Well, you know, it's funny what you're saying now and it's becoming more clear to me all the time, especially in this past year, year and a half. New Pope, very impressive person. Seems to have his stuff in order and being concerned about the right things. There's this Sojourners group that went into the Deep South and convinced good Christian people that you should not be afraid of amnesty for people coming across the border. You should embrace your neighbors and help them. You know, so we don't really have a religion problem. No. 
we have an asshole problem. Yeah, exactly. I have no... It's not about that. It's like there are a bunch of religious people who are the sweetest people on earth. And again, I don't need to share the same beliefs as long as you're not trying to shove them down my throat and trying to force me to live by your standards. That's because good all falls into the same group when you get the big chart out. That's how it works. You can have, well, you can have your religious good people. Yeah. And you have your good folks that you know are floating in the ether with Carl Sagan and company. But I both dig, of us um, want yeah. our neighbors to be happy, and we don't want children to be killed, and we don't want the Taliban to win. And exactly, those who are not inclined to listen to peaceful argument, maybe they can have a date with Reza Gull and she can convince them with her Kator 47. A lot of strong Afghan women uh, with Malaya winning the Nobel Peace Prize at, what, is she 14 now? I forgot. To she was yeah. the same thing with the Taliban. It's like, you can kill me if you want to, yep. but I only want your daughter to be able to go to school too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, but that's the ultimate offense to a Taliban. He's like, what? What do you want to do to my daughter? Send her to school? Teacher, Are you crazy? Fuck you. How can I sell her and have no. her raped if we do this? Of course. On that <sighs> happy note. more and more tired as yes. we go on this one. So we've reached that exciting time where we delve deep into the digital mailbag. But you know what? Once in a while, it's not just mail in the digital mailbag. It's actual objects in the mailman's mailbox. Indeed. I want to thank a couple people for sure. But I, I, I want to start with Ed Feldman. And Ed, I'm looking for your email address right now. I'll definitely get it to Bilelli so we put in the episode notes. But this guy created us... One of the coolest things I've ever had. A little whiskey flask, but it's a pottery flask. It's not some tin piece of shit. And on the back of it is like a French prostitute from the 1880s. That was glorious. Showing off her goods. I took mine to a Christmas party. That seems like the proper place. Full of Tillamore Dew as it went in the door. And we emptied it not twice, but three times. Good so it's fun to refill it with other spirits. It worked great. Everybody got a kick out of it. And it's an awesome thing. And Ed's got them on sale along with a lot of really cool artwork that he yeah, does. Yeah, he got um, he got me some of the um, glasses, kind of a glass set for drinking uh, that he fired up. Like, awesome ceramics. It was really cool, and that was a great gift. Thanks so much, man. So, we'll definitely put that, you know, take a minute. Maybe you need a cool gift that's one of a kind. This guy can definitely supply it for you. He seems like a cool cat. Had a little email exchange with him, and like I said, I'm sorry I don't have your, your website with me right now, but we'll get that in the episode notes. Oh, here it is. FeldmanCeramicDesign.com It's all squeezed together as one big, long uh, email address but that's his website you can see all his cool work there including my awesome flask uh feldman ceramic design.com so check him out ed thanks so much also we've got chimmy which i just found out about moments ago from australia yep indeed hammocks how did he know yeah he sent us hammocks he sent he's the guy who sent us the originally the famous kangaroo balls that became part of a title there were a beer bottle opener that we had with Chris Ryan. We shared some beer over that. He sponsored an episode. He's a glorious guy. Thanks so much, man. That was um, good stuff right there. And I guess the last one was our pal Pete Hoffman who sent some organic wine. Oh, yeah. from I love his winery. Um, as in A-U-M. <laughs> the Um winery. It's great. So, yes. No, man. It's like... And apologies anticipated because there's an enormously high chance that somebody sent us something super cool. And right now, because we were just scramming at the last moment, I forgot completely to include in the list. I apologize. 
my apology. That tells you something about my mental state. I apologize. God damn it. That's the verb. Apology is a noun. He's drifting in and out of tenses. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm back. Um, so I would say I'm in the perfect frame of mind to answer some people's questions with incredibly brilliant advice. Well, here we go. Well, but thanks, everybody. That's really – it does mean a lot, man. Um, there's a lot of you out there. We're discovering that. I – I'm not afraid to admit that we did 527,000 downloads of this show in 2014. Check us out. I'm going to flex right now. Too bad this is not a video podcast. But we thank you all so much for listening and for downloading. And be sure to tell some friends. And now we'll get to the mailbag. Indeed. Let's start with Mr. Joe Scigliitano. We're getting a lot of strange, like I see a lot of either Italian-Americans or Italian-Australian or some like... Scigliitano, that sounds very Italian. That, by the way, is one of those words that nobody but somebody who's born in Italy, the GLI sound, can ever pronounce. Um, GLI, not GLI? Nope. GLI. GLI. It's not LI, it's not G, it's GLI. Luke. Yeah, so Scigliitano. Wow. In even, any case. Even fancy pronouncements. I know, man. It's like, I can, at least I can finally... You know, I can show for something because I always pronounce it wrong. At least in one damn language, I occasionally get it right. But yes. So Joe asked about mystical experiences. As far as uh, personal ones, have we had any? Yes, no. And, um, you know, what happened if so? Um, other people, mystical experience, like is it at all helpful or is it just pure entertainment to hear or read about other people sort of? Uh, out there experience is it even necessary to have one in order to gain deeper understanding of the universe and so on and so forth i think they happen all the time a lot of people don't realize they're happening i think you got to be kind of in tune and focused i think kind of shifty weird shit kind of goes around all the time yeah because i mean some stuff is not the sky open and suddenly you know it's like ta-da you know trumpet sound and he's like here your mystical experience brought to you by short no it's uh <laughs> you know bennett comes out with short design t-shirts, and t-shirts and, out yes. everybody. no it's um yeah you're right you're totally right there are some that are you have to pay attention because they are I, I like there's a DT Suzuki, as a famous Zen teacher, who said that uh, enlightenment is just like ordinary experience, just one foot above. It's sort of like is, people have this idea of mystical, it's something like so crazy out there that's separate from daily life. Well, if it's separate from daily life, it's not really that interesting because then you can't really bring it back. So to me, what's interesting is are those experiences where they are different and yet they are also ordinary. There's a beautiful Zen poem in that regard that I'm going to fuck up because I don't remember the exact words, but it's along the lines of uh, drawing water from the well, uh, chopping firewood, uh, and and it's basically going off about how extraordinary and amazing that is, which are the most ordinary activity for, well, maybe not today in LA, but for somebody who lived back then, cutting your firewood and drawing water from the well, it's what you do every day. You need the water and you need to keep warm. But like, the consciousness of it the when you are fully aware of what's going on that can be a mystical experience i remember one that was interesting when i was a kid i was about 14 15 years old i was um it was april i remember because it was um cold enough that there was nobody on the beach in italy but warm enough that i could go there and not freeze my ass off 
So I was in Tuscany and I was um, I went down on the beach and there was this humongous giant beach and there was not a single person inside, right? So I had the whole thing to myself. The one where normally there would be 10,000 people just two months later in summer, there was not a person. And I was just sitting there, just staring at the waves by myself. I was reading a Timothy Leary book, which was already kind of acid trip uh, and uh, mystical inclined. So that was favoring putting me in that particular state. And then I did something which I'm sure is really bad to do from everything that I read about, you know, well, later I found out, but I didn't realize at the moment, which is staring at the sun, which is not probably good for your retina. But um, in any case, I was doing it, I guess, not long enough to really fuck up my retina. What was it setting? But, was it low in the sky? Yeah, yeah, so it was not. Lots of atmosphere. Yeah, and... exactly. It was not the super hardcore 1 p.m. sun, but yeah. still. And it was trippy because obviously that gave me some visual hallucination where, well, nothing, not a literal, well, kind of. I mean, the color of the sky changed dramatically. It was like a psychedelic show that I was having. Like, I turned around and it was sort of like being on mushrooms where... What you're seeing is normal, but it's not. You know, it's like you, the, your depth perception changes completely. The filters have been shifted. Yeah, where, you know, it's like when no mushrooms, if you stare, not that I would ever know by personal experience or anything, but if you stare at a tree, you're like, that's the most amazing tree I've ever seen. And it's like, why? Well, look at it. You know, it looks magical and it's hard to describe because there's no, it's not colors, it's not... But the texture of it all looks so much richer and more magical and amazing. Or those moments, just just the awesomeness of, look at this tree, man. Yeah. It grows in the dirt and it reaches for the <laughs> sky, man. In fact, when you try to put it into words, like almost by definition, mystical experience, whether mushroom-induced or not, is ridiculous if you try to put it into words yeah. because it's something else that is entirely beyond the realm that words can reach. It just doesn't, the doubt it can be, the mushroom experience that can be told is not the eternal mushroom experience, to paraphrase. You can't the bring it all thing. back. And I don't know why I'm using mushroom in particular, but it's like any kind of experience that takes you outside of the ordinary that's flirting with the mystical is that um, I remember just spending an hour afterwards, just getting up, walking around, and looking at everything, the sky, the uh, little sand dunes behind me, everything. And I was like, I live in the most amazing fucking universe there is. This is just too beautiful, to it's unreal how cool it is. And, you know, it was, um, it was trippy. Now, do I think that you need that to become whatever? No, I mean, it's... It's great. It uh, it helps you shift in a way that you don't think that ordinary reality is the only thing there is. And, you know, taking stuff for granted is one of the ultimate human scenes where we take what we have around us as... Uh, ah, just another sunset. Yeah, you start losing the magic of everything around you, including the people around you, the environment around you. Everything around you becomes like you don't see it. You know, you're going through it, but you're not really awake to what's going on. So to me, mystical experience is being awake to the reality that's surrounding you. I've done this, check this out. You guys can try this as an exercise. I'd, um, again, I claim the early adolescence as an excuse because I have a minor confession. I was reading a lot of ninja books. In any case, there was a pure genius idea in that that I loved, which was to isolate senses one by one and sort of close your eyes and for the next 10 minutes, you only focus on what you hear and nothing else. 
then the next 10 minutes you only focus again eyes closed so you shut down your vision you try not to pay too much attention to sounds you only focus on texture on what you touch for 10 minutes you only focus on visuals you know and going one at a time it makes you take in so much more information through that one sense and you realize that there's a mountain of stuff going on around us all the time and some of it you know of course our brain filters it through and only lets some stuff in because otherwise you go crazy there's just too much shit and nothing gets done but occasionally your brain filters out stuff that it shouldn't filter out because there's so much beauty that if you pay attention to it it's overwhelming and amazing and you know filtering that out is not a good deal so it's kind of a fine line between getting stuff done and at the same time really looking around you and being awake to what's surrounding which is ultimately what meditation is all about is ultimately what mystical experience is about i love that that's my that's my take on it if only you'd had a float tank when you were 10 imagine yeah i did go in a float tank when i was 16 as a matter of fact in rome italy but um i was going through some crazy girlfriend issues so i don't think i you only had one thing on your mind yeah and it was bad that actually fucked me up for her i i actually i don't think i ever went gone into this and we are not gonna go into it now but let's suffice to say that i probably fucked me up for the next 15 years or so wow just uh as uh not fuck me up fuck me up but definitely mentally affected me in a way that it was not until my 30s i got over it so I hope she at least smiled at you once or twice. Evil bit. Um, nothing. No, I mean. It's funny to me. You know, mystical, sometimes it's just simple things. I was going up. There's a giant um, drop-off between Thousand Oaks as you go back down to sort of the basin. Oh, yeah. Where Ventura and everything yep. is. And there's, we got a couple of those out here. But on a mystical day when it was actually raining, the rain here is kind of weird. It kind of comes in waves and big chunks. And sometimes you just get a blob at a time. And the way it worked out, the sun was streaming a single sort of godlike uh-huh. ray that was putting the biggest double rainbow I'd ever seen in my life right over the grade where everybody was driving. Right. And everybody slowed down. Nice. To suck it in because yeah. it was ridiculous. And you could just tell yeah. that there was no horns honking. The people coming the other way were still frantically going because they weren't seeing it. But right. what we were all seeing, we all slowed down to take in for a little while. Yep. And it was a pretty amazing thing. I tell you, Duncan did a show with a woman named Sharon Salzberg, who's a, a Buddhist monk. Mm-hmm. And she had some amazing things to share. But you were talking about, you know, people that are more enlightened. Or he asked her if she had ever maybe met anybody who was enlightened. And she says, oh, I might have. But they would never tell you in the first place. Damn. And he said, well, what would an enlightened person say to you? And she said, the best you can get from one is, I seem to be more enlightened than I used to be. Yeah. And it's how like, awesome is that? And also, I mean, what the fuck is home enlightened? It's like an enlightened person will tell you, have a cup of tea or whatever the fuck, you know, yeah. here is a job. It's You're like, not going to brag? No, it's whatever. It's it's life. It's uh, And in that regard, what he's asking about reading other people's experiences, to some degree, I find it interesting because it does expand the range like reading does, you know, in general. It expands the range of your personal experience. So it kind of gives you a little taste of something that other people have gone through and you vicariously get little bits and pieces of that experience which is awesome it inspires you to go chase something you know that's all the good stuff on the other hand if you overdo it it becomes a mental game where you are consuming it's like reading the menu for too long 
it's also it's kind of funny i cannot listen to another podcast in which somebody recounts their ayahuasca experience it's like if i listen to one more i'm just i can't because it's like it's just gonna ruin it at this yeah point. exactly it's like enough Too already much, you, know? you know it's like got it great awesome i don't want to hear about it anymore you that know? reminds because me otherwise... of the time that i read the uh the, the novelization of the temple of doom movie well because i went and saw the movie yeah because what happens is totally because what happens is you go in with all these expectations based on what you read what you heard what you and that becomes a filter that stands between you and experience and it a little is great it prepares the territory gets you interested gets you too much it's like nope time to just gonna ruin it yeah um, put that stuff out of your head for a while there's your answer next question alexis bear alexis let's see a couple of questions kind of the balance between uh, developing confidence by oneself sort of spending time alone in your head versus uh, managing interacting with others which inevitably you know Anytime you are surrounding yourself with other people, there are games that are played as far as how you want to appear to them, how, you know, the whole social interaction, the fact that feedback can be merciless, you know, you can be running your whole trip in your head and the reality of how other people respond can be rather rough. You can, and, you know, inevitably, this is a matter of balance between two because you need both, right? You need the introspection. Without the introspection, it's bad news because you are sort of a hostage of external reality but if you spend all your time there you know and you don't need you know if you only spend all your time inside your head well there are issues there because there are real life happening outside of it that so i find that it's kind of a in a way one helps the other the sometimes brutal feedback can be useful when you are running too many movies in your head by the same token you need the step back and just the beauty of I had this experience not so long ago when my mom took Isabella away for two days I was at home and everything was silent and I the phone never rang maybe because I turned it off the nobody I was like oh my fucking god this is the best thing ever silence nobody wanting my attention nobody talking that moment of introspection where you just go in all you hear are your thoughts and your own rhythm and your own oh god mental health please come back i missed you so dearly you know (laughs) it's a great feeling if that's all you do i'm sure it gets old and if anything that does not lead to mental health is like you know crazy dude who start talking to himself after a while because so really it's like all of these things it's really boiled down to balance now and part two of um part two is actually interesting i think we did answer this question indirectly in our previous episode the one uh, the one we just had with tad russell and sam sheridan uh she's asking a question about sort of two models the hermit to understand him or herself and their slice of the world but never teaches never writes never really uses whatever they learn for the benefit of other people versus those who are kind of always out trying to shape the world we live in and she's asking you know, is one superior to another do you uh, should you give back or is it totally legitimate and fine kind of have your life and as long as you are making yourself happy and not screwing up anybody else's life is that okay as long as you're not i don't know that's one it could definitely once again go either way you know if if you have something awesome to share you should go ahead and throw it out there 
you know, what's the worst going to happen? You get haters to hate on you and, and people dislike you because you have a weird opinion. That's oh, well. not the worst thing can happen for sure. Welcome to a rich Ever sword. Yeah. Yes. But Man. at the same time, if you have terrible things to share with the world, <laughs> keep them to your goddamn self and keep, you know, keep yourself shut up in your in your shack of loneliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the opposite spectrum, those people that are out there shoveling shit to the world, yeah. a lot of time it is shit. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, I don't know. That's just a tough question. Why is she locked up like a hermit? Come on out and smell the flowers. Yeah, come play. No, it's... Um, but I, I agree with you. It's really boiled down to... It is okay. You know, sure, you're not hurting anybody. You're making yourself happy. Good for you, man. You're far ahead of most of humanity. At the same time, there's a part in me, and I'm not necessarily saying that everybody should feel that way, but for my approach to the world, my kind of sensitivity happiness wants to be shared it's i feel the um, the more i'm getting something i'm like feeling that something is nourishing me the more i want to pass it along it's kind of like a tribal fire where you want to bring it somewhere else and it's not you know evangelical where let me tell you about you know it's uh it's happiness you know happiness likes company that's kind of how it goes I don't think there's any question about that. And I think it is important that we get out. And, you know, I I love the notion. I think, once again, Duncan puts it forward a lot that this is just a crazy, you know, human video game. Last 78 years and you jump in, you might as well taste as much of it as you can. And sit alone by yourself with your thoughts. Maybe one way to go through it, but you're going to miss a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed. Now you are going to miss some shit too. Oh yeah. Your life will be probably safer and you know more confined and and, and less shocking. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those surprises are awesome and good too. Or sometimes you stumble upon some. I never knew I would ever like this. Absolutely. No, that's uh, again we sound like broken records, but a lot of it balances where it's at on this. Is you need both. The reality is you need both. So put your galoshes on and go out and have a peek. Zip. Well, the funky music means only one thing. It's time for us to close down this exciting episode of the Drunken Dallas podcast. Hey, did you notice I've been less douchey today? I've just been attempting to be. That's I know this is hard for you to pull off, or, but or, or douche or I am, whatever that word was misspelled. I am pleased you pulled that off. Well, that's I'm, I'm trying all the time. That's sweet. Uh, t-shirts. If you guys want any of our t-shirts, the original logo one or the Dionysian Parade, please check the episode notes. Order all shall be good there. Uh, affiliate sponsor: Coracao Chocolate. Valentine Day coming up. So check out if you want to give out chocolate. This is actually happened to be healthy chocolate, which I know sounds scary, but it's not. There's, they don't. The health part doesn't mean that the quality sucks. Far yeah. from it. Don't mention that part when you give it to your girlfriend, though. She might take offense. Are you trying to tell me something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's no. The chocolate is awesome. So no, check it baby, out. You just say you like coconuts. Huh? Audible.com, if you guys are using some of the, if you want audiobooks, you want to check them out, or articles or more audio products that you can get from free through podcasting, Audible is a great option. Check them out again. And as usual, you know, use our links so that they know that we sent you and they show us some love, which is good stuff. What else do we got? Well, thank you to Daisy House for giving us their 
awesome music and now thank you to some folks who keep us in business by giving us donations for something we give out for free which is an amazing concept and we love you for it this time is actually a long list because we haven't really done it in a quite a while since we recorded episodes back to back so we didn't really have a list now so let's roll with it's funny how a huge chunk of the names are actually recurrent they're very sweet people who set up regular monthly payments among them and because we waited so long there are a couple of these people who have already donated twice in this but in any case let's roll let the pottering begin we got desmond colton the one man who started the recurrent business to begin with thank you so much john hatfield john atbury randy white james I'm gonna go on a limb. Sewell, S E W E L L. Sewell, Sewell, something. Kyle Bustrom. I like them. Bustrom. Kyle Bustrom, Aaron Hanson, Matthew Hallen, Tanya. Ah, fuck, your last name, Tanya. I'm so sorry. I read it all the time, but pronouncing it is a whole different story. I always read it on Facebook. B H A N A U T. Burnout. Yeah. I have no idea how to pronounce it. But Tanya I can get, and it's a cool name. So. And a female. Yeah, that's that. I know. Amazing and sweet. Alexander Kuzner, David Peterson, uh, Jan or Jan Fle- Fleischer from Germany. Jan, I think. I don't know. Making it up. Matthias Eilstock, Brian Redding, Mika Jonkowski, Chris Talent, Bob Schmidt, Aaron McLaughlin, Scott Dempsey, Lorenzo Chiarastella, Terry McLennan, Frederico Faro from Brazil, Amos Kingfisher, Randy White, and again Desmond Colton came back for more, John Hatfield and Ryan Phillips. You guys are fucking awesome. We love you. Thanks, everybody. A quick update on Kiva. We made almost $20,000 in loans in 2014, so that's really impressive, everybody. And it wasn't a whole lot of you doing it. I think it was like 129 people put that kind of money forward. So I invite all of you to check out Kiva.org. You can join Team Drunken Dallas when you pick your first loan. Come on, there's a bunch of us in there, and let's see if we can do another twenty, maybe 30000 for 2015. Should be a good year, man. I think I feel a lot of good things happening. Um, Danielli's new history show is continuing to be in the works. It'll be a while till it's completely ready, but it's awesome, and I'm sure you guys are going to love it. So just something to tease you with as we get into this new year. And thanks for being a part, everybody. I think I mentioned it earlier, but we over over a half a million downloads with the show last year. Damn. That's a crazy we number. We kick ass. And oh, 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 oh this is a total tease because I'm just going to throw it out there and we close the episode. I'm not even going to talk about it. Hit it. I finished writing a book. Excitement, excitement. It's done. Okay, done. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. 
See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. That's Get back I- to work.